So what do we do? Thank you very much for joining us once again to a study brought to you by the Ben Church of Christ. You can visit us online at benchurchofchrist.org. Over the past several weeks, we've looked at the impact of removing God from among us. Evolution, the age of the earth, pulpits, family, relationships, the creature getting more of the spotlight than the creator. Our focus has been on believing God, believing in God, certainly, but also believing God. Today, what do we do? Where is our faith? We read in Luke chapter 8, It came to pass on a certain day that as Christ went into a ship with his disciples, he said unto them, Let us go on to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. They came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. He arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. They ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Belief is the foundation of our relationship with our God. Yes, God has revealed so much to us, but not everything, as we've talked about. We have answers, but we also have questions. We live among the world, the outcome of the error of Adam and Eve. We suffer at the pangs of what the world can put before us, sorrow, pain, disease, death, suffering, all that goes along with those things. We read in the book of Ephesus in, in chapter 3, This cause I bow my knees, Paul said, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory and be strengthened with the might of his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Faith is belief that, yes, God exists, but also that he will do what he says he will do. Back to the boat. Christ not only just stopped the wind from blowing, if you've ever been on the water in a storm, what happens when the storm stops? The waves don't just stop. Not only did Christ stop the wind, he stopped the waves, and there was an immediate calm. God exists, and he will do what he says he will do. It is knowing with confidence that he will do what he says he will do. We can go back to the many lessons of the Old Testament to remind us. We have several of these recounted in what's known as the, the heroes of faith. 
in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. We read in 11 and 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain. By what? Faith. He believed in God. and He also believed God enough that he did what he was asked to do. By faith, Noah, being warned of God things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By faith, Abraham, verse 8, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive after for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. So just a few examples, Abel, Noah, and Abraham. And we read in verse number 13 of Hebrews 11, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Christ used a word in his ministry that we want to focus on for a little bit of our time. Throughout his time here, he put forward a challenge on three different occasions as he called his disciples that would later become known as his apostles. He told them something very specific. We read in Matthew chapter 4, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, he said to Peter and Andrew. And in the next verse, he called James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they immediately followed him. In Matthew chapter 9, calling the tax collector, Matthew, he said, follow me. In John chapter 1, even before he called Andrew and Peter, Jesus found Philip and said unto him, follow me. And this challenge to follow him was exactly what we see they did. In Luke chapter 9, it records three different people that said they were willing to follow Christ. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus responded, it's not going to be easy. He calls to another, follow me. But this person responds, let me first go bury my father. I'll follow you right after this. And Jesus responded, let the, bed dairy there, let the dead bury their dead. Jesus was not as opposed to funerals or anything like that. However, this individual said, I will follow you after I do what I need to do. So where's the priority? And another came wanting to bid farewell to his family first. I will just as soon as I go bid farewell to my family family. More often than not, we're putting off a hard thing that will keep us from doing anything. So we have individuals here who said, I will follow, but then they immediately began to give excuse. On another occasion in Matthew chapter 10, whosoever does not take up his cross, whatever it might be that's standing in the way or that is weighing you down, Whosoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy. These difficult times that we might face. Jesus repeats this idea in Matthew chapter 16, adding that one must take up his cross and deny himself. In following Jesus is something that's not always going to be 
pleasant. We have many examples of that in the New Testament. We can go back and we can look and see how most all of the apostles lost their life here, literally. How they passed from this life was most unpleasant in practically every circumstance. This example that is found in Matthew chapter 19, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus seeking eternal life. And Christ, here, these are the things that you must do. He says, I've done these from my youth. And then Christ said, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. We cannot allow the pleasures of this world and of this life to hold us back when it comes to our faith, our belief, our devotion, our homes, our jobs, our vacations, our clothings, our hobbies. None of these things should come before our life as a follower of Christ. We must be willing to forsake all of these if necessary if they get in the way of our relationship with our God. I beseech you, Paul told the church at Rome, chapter 12, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And he said, which is reasonable. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Another reason that some fail is because the life is sacrificial. The man asks, I must first go bury my father. No, you go preach the kingdom of God because of the calling, because of what is necessary to possibly forsake custom customs or privileges or associations or normal activities of life. You do whatever is necessary in order to perform the duties that God has asked us to do. In 1 John chapter 2, he that saith he abideth in him also ought to walk even as Christ walked. False faith is a result of believing something that is not founded on truth. Often, this can come when we really, really want something. We see it and we start to build a foundation to support whatever it takes to make it come to pass. We've talked about the fruits of the flesh last week and the desires that can pull us toward that. We can build cases that give reason, though in reality, this truth isn't truth in the end. We're simply deceiving ourselves. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In 2 Peter chapter 1, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Where does this come one come from? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory. And for all things that we need come through the knowledge of him whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, not conformed, transformed. And beside this, giving all diligence, that is earnest, that is zeal, that is effort, that is haste, besides this, give all effort, add to your faith virtue, and a virtue knowledge, and a knowledge temperance, 
and a temperance patience and a patience godliness and a godliness brotherly kindness and the brotherly kindness charity build up on your knowledge temperance patience godliness brotherly kindness charity he says in verse 8 if if these things be in you and abound they make that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge is the book end here. Knowledge in the beginning and knowledge and the end. If these things be in you and they bring forth fruit, they grow, they mature, that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that knowledge? Romans tells us that the knowledge is the basis, it is the foundation of our faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So what do we do? The question in the beginning. Pick up our Bible. Get back to the basics. Rebuild our faith on a foundation that is not of this world. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. What do we do? We go back and we rebuild our faith on book, chapter, and verse. Just as Christ said, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on the hill. Let your light so shine that men will know. What was the verb he used? Follow me. By definition, that is Christian. I am a follower of Christ. What do we do? What can we do? Go back to the basics and follow Jesus the Christ. Our time is gone. Thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to visiting with you next week at this time. Until then, we bid you a very blessed day.